Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, October 13th. I'm Leslie Palma. And I'm Teresa Watson. We're so happy to have you with us tonight. In our top story, we'll talk about the devastating attacks on America's ally Israel by the terrorist group Hamas. And here's some stories of heroism from the region. We'll also ask you to join us in praying for all of the innocent victims touched by this unprecedented attack. Political news in a nutshell, Teresa will report on the race for Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives and tell you about some Republican presidential hopefuls who want to dump Trump. In abortion in the news, Leslie will take you to Ohio, where early voting is underway on an amendment that seeks to invent a right to abortion in the state. We'll close with an interview with pro-life Spider-Man, who has scaled yet another skyscraper for the cause of life. We hope you will stay with us. Simchas Torah is a Jewish holy day that marks the completion of the reading of the first five books of the Bible, which comprises the Hebrew Torah. It comes close on the heels of the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and immediately follows Sukkot, a week-long festival of Thanksgiving. For religious Jews, Simchat Torah is marked by singing and dancing, and the Torah is sometimes carried outside for a lap around a synagogue. But this year on Simchat Torah, the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas, which runs the Gaza Strip, launched an unprecedented attack on Israel, mowing down 260 young people at an all-night rave, killing people in their homes and on the streets, taking hostages, and according to some reports, decapitating babies and children on a kibbutz near the Gaza border. Since its founding in 1987, it has been Hamas's stated intention to wipe Israel off the map. The attack took place one day after the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, when Egypt and Syria launched a coordinated attack on two fronts in Israel. Israel won the 19-day war, but suffered 2,600 casualties. The death toll on both sides of the Hamas attacks has already reached that number. More than 1,200 people, including, including 25 Americans, were killed by Hamas, with many more missing or kidnapped. 1,400 Palestinians have died in retaliatory attacks by Israel. Today, we want to pray for the Israelis and those Palestinians who do not support Hamas, but have been caught in the crossfire and share a few stories from the early hours of the attack. Itai and Hadar Berichevsky were the parents of 10-month-old twins. When Hamas attacked their home in Kafar, Gaza, a kibbutz located about three miles east of Gaza, they were able to hide their babies in a bomb shelter before they were murdered by Hamas terrorists. Israeli soldiers found the babies 14 hours later, hungry and scared, but otherwise unharmed. Nir Solomon is the executive director of EFRAT, the largest pro-life organization in Israel. We had him on the show several months ago. Nir is also the spokesman for his community of Judea and Samaria and has four children, three daughters, and a son currently serving in the Israeli Defense Forces. In a letter to pro-life leaders in the U.S., Nir wrote, the situation is grave. Savages have brutally murdered innocent men, women, and children raped women and captured elderly men and women and young children. They called for Arabs all around Israel to enter their neighboring towns, including mine, and slaughter everyone in sight. For me personally, this past Shabbat and holiday was surreal when we woke up to sirens and our boys called to the battlefield, 
while our first response teams were scrambling with full army gear to protect from the savages that were approaching. This is a full-out war with evil. Our spirits are high as we know the promises of the Lord to the Jewish people, and God keeps his promises. We are now fighting a just war and intend to fight it to the complete demise of evil. Our executive director, Janet Morana, this week spoke to Heartbeat International President Jarel Godsey about a pregnancy resource center in Israel that has been impacted by the violence. Here's a short clip from the interview, and you can see the whole thing on Just Ask Janet on Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time at endabortion.tv. They work with abortion counseling after the fact. They, they're just an all-around group. They serve all across the 12 regions of Israel from north to south. And unfortunately, you know, some of them and, and their families the, of the team there at Be'ahim are, are in, um, obviously in, in, the, in harm's way. And many of them have, have uh, military uh, uh, folks, either active military duty uh, or those that are being called up as reservists, which I, I've seen some of those pictures that they're, they're calling up many of the reservists uh, to really uh, step into this situation, which is uh, Sandy sent a note to us and uh, was one of the biggest prayer requests uh, about is really praying for those uh, family members who are now being called to take up arms and to um, deal with this situation in, in whatever way that the Israeli government uh, elects to do so. Noam Taban is a retired general who once led the IDF forces in northern Israel. On Saturday, he learned that his son, the journalist Amir Taban, was trapped with his family in their home a short distance from the Gaza border. He grabbed his gun and he and his wife drove from their home in Tel Aviv toward Nahal Oz, where his son was trapped. On the way, the couple encountered survivors of Hamas' attack on the young people at the rave and drove them north away from his son. Then he ran into soldiers with no apparent mission and convinced one of them to join him. Before getting to his son's kibbutz, they met injured soldiers and once again drove in the opposite direction to take them to safety. Finally, Taban arrived at Nahal Oz and with a handful of soldiers, killed the Hamas attackers outside his son's home. Then he knocked on the window. Inside, Amir Taban's three-year-old daughter responded using the Hebrew, Hebrew word for grandfather. Saba is here. The family was rescued. As many stories of heroism as we have found, there are many more that don't end with an innocent family rescued. I have many friends who live in Israel or whose children do. My good friends, Rabbi Gerald and Bonnie Sussman, are praying for their son, Rabbi Shia Sussman, and his wife and their five children who live there, and two other grandsons who are studying yeshivas in Israel. For the Sussmans, and for everyone who has been touched by this unimaginable violence, we offer our prayers, and we ask you to join us in a moment of silence for those who have been killed or wounded and those still being held hostage by Hamas. Political news this week brings us to Park City, Utah, where on Tuesday, four Republican presidential candidates joined Mitt Romney and former House Speaker Paul Ryan for closed-door meetings. Gathered at the E2 Summit were influential donors and policy experts, as were former South Carolina Governor and UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, former Vice President Mike Pence, and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. Spencer Zwick, one of the summit's organizer and Romney's 2012 finance chair, told the Washington Post that the attendees are sincerely looking for an alternative to Donald Trump. If people in this room and at this gathering start to really get behind one or two of these candidates, you're going to see some real movement in the polls, Zwick said. At some point, and hopefully in the not too distant future, we can start to coalesce around a smaller group of candidates. 
other presidential candidates, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Senator Tim Scott, Republican from South Carolina, were reportedly invited to attend. Former President Trump has endorsed Carrie Lake, an ardent supporter of his, in the Arizona Senate race. When I'm back in the White House, I need strong fighters like Carrie in the Senate. She is a fighter. She's strong and she's good. She's got a great heart, by the way, Trump said in a video posted on his Truth Social platform. I will need a majority in the House and in the Senate. We have to have a big, strong majority to help me push our America First agenda through and to push it through really fast. That starts right here tonight by helping Carrie Lake win in Arizona, and she will win too, he said. Lake officially announced Tuesday that she is running for Senator Kirsten Sinema's seat next fall after filing paperwork last week. Her entry was widely expected, and Republicans say she's seen as the heavy favorite to win the GOP primary against Sheriff Mark Lamb. Presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said on Monday he is abandoning his bid for the Democratic nomination for the White House in 2024. Kennedy announced to a crowd of supporters at Independence Mall in Philadelphia, I'm here to declare myself an independent candidate for president of the United States. We declare independence from the cynical elites who betray our hope and who amplify our division. And finally, we declare independence from the two political parties. His family name is almost synonymous with the Democratic Party, but Kennedy has determined that its primary nomination process was skewed in favor of President Joe Biden. That history, he said, made the decision personally painful for him. Some members of the Kennedy family released a joint statement in response, calling his announcement deeply saddening and perilous for our country. Secretary of State Adrian Fontes said he must qualify Donald Trump for Arizona's presidential ballot if Trump files an application and can show he has been certified for the ballot in at least two other states. Fortes, who in August said it was an open question whether a provision in the U.S. Constitution could keep Trump off the ballot, said a state law provides another path to ballot status and he is obliged to adhere to it. That law states that instead of Arizona's requirements for presidential candidates to file petition signatures, a candidate can qualify as long as two other states already have certified the candidate for their ballots. And that's political news in a nutshell. With early voting underway in Ohio on a ballot amendment that would invent a right to abortion in the state constitution, Governor Mike DeWine and First Lady Fran DeWine are urging state residents to vote no on issue one. Protect Women Ohio, the pro-life coalition opposing issue one, released a 30-second ad that will run on broadcast television and digital platforms statewide. The governor and first lady speak directly to the camera, explaining they have carefully studied the amendment language and concluded issue one goes too far by allowing late-term abortion through all nine months of pregnancy and gutting parental rights. The amendment also was the focus of Ohio's March for Life last Thursday. Priest for Life Brian Kemper, coordinator of street activism and an Ohio resident, sent this video from the march. Hey everybody, this is Brian Kepper with Priest for Life and Stand True. I'm at the Ohio March for Life in Columbus, in Ohio, where we are marching right now through the downtown area of Columbus, Ohio, standing up for life and bringing uh, awareness to issue one here in Ohio, where we are asking people to vote no on issue one. One of the most important elections of our lifetime going on here in Ohio uh, on November 7th actually starts uh, October 11th, early voting. So we need people to get out and vote, vote no, protect Ohio's children, stop late-term abortion, stop abortion here in Ohio, help us win, and help us protect the children and the women. 
Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody will try to block a proposed constitutional amendment that seeks to invent a right to abortion in this in, in Florida's constitution. As required by law, Moody asked the state Supreme Court to review the wording of the proposed amendment that abortion advocates hope to place on the ballot in 2024. In her Supreme Court filing, Moody wrote, I submit that the aforementioned initiative does not satisfy the legal requirements for ballot placement. Stay tuned. Floridians Protecting Freedom, the group spearheading the abortion on demand effort for the Sunshine State, has so far submitted 402,082 valid signatures, just under half of the number needed by February 1st to get an amendment on the 2024 ballot. The group has raised more than $8 million so far, including $1.8 million from Planned Parenthood. A North Carolina law that protects babies from abortion after 12 weeks has led to a 30% decline in the procedures in the month since the law was enacted, according to the Pro-Abortion Guttmacher Institute. Abortions dropped from 4,230 in the month of June to 2,920 after the law was enacted on July 1st. Less than two weeks after a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld an Idaho law that could prosecute emergency room physicians for performing the procedure in medical emergencies, the full court has announced that it will rehear the case. Idaho's law protecting most babies from abortion already makes an exception when a mother's life is in danger, but the state's Department of Justice said the exception still could put physicians in jeopardy and risk the state's share of Medicare funding. Back to Corticos. The pro-life law firm Liberty Council has asked the U.S. Supreme Court to review a case from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, regarding sidewalk counseling outside abortion businesses. A law enacted in 2012 prohibits discussions about abortion or the distribution of literature about abortion inside a 70-foot buffer zone. Conversations on any other topic are allowed. A federal appeals court upheld the law, so Liberty Council is hoping the Supreme Court will weigh in. The firm has also asked the Supreme Court to review a case called Hill v. Colorado, which upheld a statute prohibiting counseling outside an abortion facility in that state. Former CIA Director General Michael Hayden is under fire for suggesting Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville should be removed from the human race. In a post on X that responded to a question about whether Tuberville should be removed from the Senate Armed Services Committee, Hayden wrote, how about the human race? Tuberville wasn't amused. This morning, my office was made aware of a statement made by General Michael Hayden calling for a politically motivated assassination, Tuberville said in a letter released Tuesday. This statement is disgusting, and it is repugnant to everything we believe in as Americans. Given General General Hayden's long career in Washington, he must have known that by making such a statement, he was committing a serious crime. Democrats and pro-aborts are mad at Tuberville because he will not approve military promotions until the Defense Department revises its policy on providing abortions to active duty service members. And finally, self-described abortion queen Diane Durzis is under fire from some of her employees for insisting that women who get financial help from abortion funds still need to have, quote, skin in the game and pay a portion of the cost themselves. Durzis has run abortion businesses in several places, including one in Birmingham, Alabama, that was closed for serious health violations, and one in Jackson, Mississippi, that was at the center of the lawsuit that led to the fall of Roe v. Wade. But plucky Diane opened new killing centers in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and Bristol, Virginia. At her Bristol business, Durzis reportedly told employees to cut back on financial aid information they were giving patients, and later instructed them to make sure that patients were paying at least something out of pocket, even if abortion funds had agreed to cover that person's entire bill. She said, I want these patients to have some skin in the game. They shouldn't be fully funded. Asked by Stat News about the comments, Durzis said abortion funds can be slow in reimbursing abortion sellers. I'm just saying, we're a business, she said. Keep that in mind the next time someone tells you that abortion is health care. And that's abortion in the news. 
24-year-old Mason DeShaw, also known as Pro-Life Spider-Man, scaled the 42-story, 588-foot Accenture Tower in Chicago on Tuesday. Here is a short video from Mason's Instagram. excited to welcome back to the show none other than pro-life spider-man himself welcome mason hey how's it going guys good good, good to <laughs> see you mason so mason we're so grateful that you're able to be here and talk with us about the last climb so first of all tell us what did you hope to achieve with this last um climb of, of the tower yeah so i climb these buildings to raise money for women in crisis pregnancy uh through an organization called letthemlive.org and we are raising money for a woman named Sierra. She's 17 weeks pregnant. She has two children. And we just wanted to help pay her bills, pay her medical bills, pay her rent so that she doesn't need an abortion. Because the truth is 73% of abortions happen because of financial circumstances. And she has one scheduled for next week. And so hopefully we can talk her out of it and just show her that there's support available. Mm -hmm. Well, how did this climb compare with your other climbs? Oh, yeah. So people always ask me to kind of like rate the hardness of the climbs. And uh, it's difficult to give it like a climbing grade in the sense of uh, traditional rock climbing, just because it's so different. Uh, but I would say this is probably second behind the Chase Tower as far as like hard buildings go, because what I had to use, the technique I had to use was called crack climbing. And I thought I was going to be able to blast up it, but I got there and I got on the building and just because the angle that the pole is in, it pushes me into the glass and the angle I had to kind of point my toe to cam it into the crack was just the perfect angle for foot cramping. So I had to just slow way, way down and focus on getting that foot into the crack uh, as, I guess, as efficiently as possible. Wow. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Mason, in total, you've climbed eight other buildings, including the Salesforce Tower in San Francisco. The climbs usually end with you being arrested. Were you arrested this time as well? Yeah, yeah. So I got to the top of the building and I was arrested. And then the police, they took me to uh, Cook County Jail, where I spent all night in solitary confinement. Uh, I actually had a visit from the FBI, though, in the middle of the night. And they came in and I told them, I said, hey, guys, look at here, pro-lifers and the feds, we don't have a good relationship. So if you want to get anything out of me, just tell me why you're here. And so <laughs> they just said, we want to know why you climbed the building. And I took them through the whole story. And uh, at the end of it, they were like, so it had nothing to do with the Israeli consulate who was inside of the building. Oh. And I was like, Israeli consulate, how was I supposed to know? <laughs> Wow. Well, yeah, well, you can see why they were wondering. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was funny. But uh, yeah, you know, one of the things I, I want to prove with, with climbing these buildings is 
I guess, just how hard we have to work for these children. Because the truth is, like these buildings are, are hard to climb and one mistake could, could mean death. But I think it, it, it's worth it to make a sacrifice for these children. Because if we believe the words we say, if we say we're pro-life, that means abortion is murder. And if that's the case, then it's over 70 million babies murdered. We have to do everything we can to save these children, no matter the cost to ourselves. So if I if I end up sitting in jail, then, then that's fine, uh, so long as we can save a life. And actually, like, sitting in solitary confinement, you have no track of time. You start to go a little crazy. If I was in there for an hour more, I would have I would have gone a little insane. But the whole time I was just thinking, I was like, you know, no matter how long I sit in here, it's worth it because we're able to save a life through this silly act of climbing a building. So Mason, what, what exactly are the charges when you get arrested? Uh, yeah. So the funny thing is that you know, there's no law against climbing skyscrapers. So they try to charge me with trespassing or disorderly conduct. However, trespassing, you have to be warned beforehand or warned in the act, in which case you get 15 minutes to leave or you can leave at your own safety. And the way it works out, I'm 500 feet up the building before they ever tell me to leave. So I'm acting in my own safety to finish. Uh, and as far as disorderly conduct goes, they have to prove disorderly intent, which I, all of this is pre-planned. So that's really hard to prove. What ends up happening is through, I guess, uh, the great work of lawyers who volunteer to help me out, we're able to beat these cases in court. Right now, I have a perfect record, which I'm very thankful for. Um, and I think we're, we're going to win in court again. Well, I hope so. And, and do you have any plans you can disclose about your next climb? Uh, not at the moment, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just hoping that we can raise enough money to help this woman, you know, in jail, it's sort of like, you know, you climb the building, but the work's not over because now it's, now it's go time. Now we just have to get to work and we have to try to raise the money that we need to help, uh, help, help this woman who just needs help. Sierra, like I said, if you guys want to support her, go to letthemlive.org. Luckily this time around. Uh, all the expenses were already paid for by sponsors. We've got Make America Gospel again, had paid for the photographers, and then we had uh, Ultra Right uh, Beer. They had given some money to uh, pay for all of the expenses, like hotel rooms and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, so now we're just focusing on raising money for, for Sierra. Wow. Well, Mason, we can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. And, and after climbing and then being in solitary confinement overnight, uh, we hope you get some well-deserved rest. And thank you for risking your life to bring awareness to the horrific acts of abortion. Good night, thank Mason. you guys so much. We at Priests for Life do not condone illegal behavior. However, we do applaud him for his pro-life conviction. Mason said in a statement, the most radical thing you can do in the pro-life movement is nothing at all. We would like to end this segment with a moving video from Pro-Life Spider-Man's Instagram page. Things your parents want for you, they want for you security and insurance and nice homes. They want for you cars and respect. I want for you the same thing I want for my son, that one day he takes a banner, the banner of Jesus Christ, and he places it on a hill where no one has ever placed the banner before. And he cries out, Jesus Christ is Lord. 
even if it costs my son his life. Oh, when he's 18 years old, if he says to me the same thing I said when I was a young man, I'm going into the mountains, I'm going into the jungle, and they say, you can't go there, you're insane, it's a war, you're going to die, I'm going. When that little boy puts on that backpack, I'm going to pray over him and say, go! Go! God be with you. And if you die, my son, I'll see you over there and I'll honor your death. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priest for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. For all your Pro-Life news updates during the week, please follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Pro-Life News Show. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.